They counted the sound out, we lead the division again. At the top of the round, 17 and Jody with the hands. AR 12 with the Divas, you know that we winning again. AR 12 with the Divas, you know that we winning again. They don't want to see the squad. They just watch us beat the line. They don't want to see us miss the number 52 and hit you from the side. Winning again, winning again, we got the division again. Hey guys, welcome back. It's been a couple weeks since we put an episode out. We were a little busy. DJ was uh, busy jerking off in Door County. Yes, vacations on vacations. It was my birthday week, and I was a little too drunk for a full week to uh, do anything. <laughs> but uh, this is episode 18 of the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. Uh, with me today, BJ Cole. What's up? And then we have a special guest with us from uh, the infamous episode three and a half, the Drunk Cast, Tyler Juan Boynton. How's it going, guys? Yeah, let's not have another uh, remake of the drum cast, please. Oh, we weren't supposed to do that. We're both getting <laughs> hammered right now. We've got twisted teas for days. Always drinking mm. twisted teas. Twisted tea lights, you pussies. Nope. Twisted tea half and half. <laughs> and OG. And the OG. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to test it out with Juan on here today. He may be joining us full time. We'll see how it goes. Yes, he's a bum. He is a bum. He always asks us our uh, trade opinions and always have to talk about a dumb ones. <laughs> you guys do sometimes talk me out of dumb ones, but <laughs> most of the time we disagree. All right, yeah, that's why we uh, brought you in. We get a little head button going on. Me and BJ agree on too, more, too many things. It's kind of annoying. Anyways, on topic today, we have our uh, usual NFL headlines our trade segment, and then we're going to be taking a trip around the NFC South death chart. Get right into it with the NFL headlines. Mainly just one big one. I'm sure everyone's heard about it by now. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, he's been living up to his nickname and doing shady things. He's been accused of beating his dog, his child, and getting people to jump his girlfriend in the house that he owns that she was living in. What's going on here? And is uh, Shady's value gone? Yeah, this is really just a wild story of what the, how much shit he's actually done. Um, but it just it just puts into perspective that you don't really know these players or their personality and personality is holy shit until you really like see their true colors and it's usually not in a good way. Um, I mean, many people don't really know what's going on here in this situation. But what, what all fantasy owners do know is that Shady McCoy is turning 30 years old. He is in a league where people he's going to be facing a lot of stack boxes because he has no quarterbacks and literally no offensive weapons. And I just don't see where, especially now, you're going to get your value from him. Um, because he was already going to go into a rough year this year. But now with all this going on, I just don't see any good coming out of owning Shady McCoy. Unfortunately, you gotta hold them because you're not gonna be able to get your your value that you want from them. Yeah, I agree with just about everything you're saying. Right now, you'd be lucky to get even a peanut for him. Peanut. Um, if it's true, he could be the next Ray Rice, not of the league. But I'd say as a hold, just in case that doesn't happen, he could still potentially get you some RB one, RB two weeks. 
Randy is a piece of shit person. If this shit is true. Yeah, I mean that's that's just wild of how much shit he went through to get this shit done. So <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you guys too on the situation. I think uh, Shady probably doesn't play another down in the NFL. Yeah, but I agree. I think you gotta hold him just in case. I mean, you're not gonna get anything for him, so you might as well hold him and see what you what happens. Maybe he only gets suspended, you know, six eight games or something. But I think with all that that went on, the Bills are rebuilding anyways. They'll just cut him to save face. I could also see it being a thing where. The NFL just looks into it for this whole season. He doesn't miss a game this year, but then after this year, his career is completely Yeah, over. I could definitely see that, too. I mean, look at Ray Rice. Ray Rice, is, he was pretty good, and then... And he only had, like, what, a two-game suspension? Three-game suspension yeah, at the time? Two, yeah. But that was before the NFL made this their push on domestic violence. So how long do you... So you guys think the NFL is going to drag this out? I have no idea. I'm saying they potentially killed uh, do you think there's going to be any legal action? Like, do you think they have enough to, like, that she has enough to pursue legal action on Shady? So, like, could he be going to prison? I saw another thing today that a lawyer for the chick came out and said that she's not positive that Shady had anything to do with it. Wow. But... You never know. Uh, yeah, everything's really kind of pointing that way with picking out the exact item items that they want. So <laughs> I don't know how much that will. Sounds like she got a little money under the table there. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, she mm-hmm. needs to go there. She, she yeah. needs a couple mil. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, enough about the shady shady. Let's <laughs> get on to our trade segment. So BJ, you were involved in a big one. Oh, yeah. The fucking so, lucky one. BJ got OBJ, Ty Montgomery, and a 2019 third for JJ, Allen Robinson, Mitchell Trubisky, the 103, the 108, and a 2019 first. What are you guys' thoughts on this? So, my thoughts on this would be I think it was a fairly decent trade, fairly even one for both sides. Um, I kind of like BJ's side where he gets the better player and OBJ. Um, LJ's clearly rebuilding, so this is something that he needs to do. But I think uh, he probably values JJ a little too much for my take. And But he did get back A-Rob, who he might have potential wide receiver one stud ability. So I think all in all, it was a fairly decent trade for both sides. Yeah, um... Now, I agree, BJ, you definitely paid the price for a true stud, but it was definitely worth it for you. You now have the top three startup players on your team in Gurley, Hopkins, and now OBJ. So, fuck you for that. But <laughs> this also really helps LJ speed up his rebuild. His team was a straight dumpster fire. Other than OBJ in the 101, he doesn't have much else going for his team, but now you gave him a couple of valuable pieces to slot into his lineup week in, week out. But uh, you better hope that none of your starters get hurt because your depth is pretty poor now. Oh, I, I got a wide receiver depth today. is just not running back, so yeah. running backs needs to stay on the healthy train. Yeah. Quincy and me, man. Nelson Aguilar guy. Oh, yeah. Beast. Trash can. Wide receiver. Wide. All right. 
But yeah, the best the best part actually about this whole trade was that I wasn't even trying to acquire OBJ. Um, leading up to this trade, it really was something that me and LJ we both just kind of stumble upon, and it just kind of happened because going in, into this trade, I was making bigger offers for not bigger, but around the same starting point that I had for OBJ for guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson because I wanted to add that running back depth, and then. Out, then the guy that owned Le'Veon must have showed LJ our, our starting point for the trade. LJ got intrigued and contacted me about OBJ. So, of course, when that happens, you know, someone's going to offer you one of the best players in the league. I kind of had to open up my pocketbooks and try to make that happen. Um, I mean, definitely I think LJ could have got more for OBJ. But, like, what you, got, what, uh, you were saying, Mitch, that this trade – was worth it for him because it is going to drastically speed up his rebuild. Um, even with maybe overvaluing JJ, which I kind of don't see because he was already on his team once, he gets a younger player now in Robinson, like you did say, Juan, that could have a bounce back year. And a lot of people are looking kind down on him, thinking that he only had one good year in the NFL. Um, he also brings in a younger quarterback to back up Derek Carr, which you know that we all know that was a dumpster fire last year with Brissett and uh, Hunley for him, and plus plus those first round picks that makes it at this point for him. He got four first round picks in this year's draft, so his rebuild is definitely looking good. And I'm excited to bring on OBJ with my core of Hopkins, Gurley, Wentz, and Brandon Cooks. So looking to make a run here. Yeah, um, I will add that with you getting OBJ. That makes Brandon Cooks a lot more appealing to your team, at least. His boomer bust won't hurt you as many weeks. Yeah, I mean... OBJ and Hopkins and Curley. Yeah, I, I I was thinking that same point at when I was making this trade, because at first I was going to see if you would take Brandon Cooks instead of Allen Robinson, because I thought I'd, I expect Allen Robinson to be the more consistent wide receiver at, you know, going forward. But... I couldn't really pass up the boom weeks of Brandon Cooks along with this wide receiving core. So I just kind of left it at as is. And LJ is a guy, if you push him too much, he's just going to call off the negotiations and you, you lose you lose that stud that I would have, that I've got. Yeah, so that is definitely okay. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't want that to happen. So I just kind of stuck to where it was and, you know, got a stud yeah. in OBJ. All right, let's move on to another one of uh, LJ's traits. He traded uh, Demaryius Thomas, only winners get wings, and uh, 401 to Milk Dick for the 114 and 214. Thoughts? Yeah, um, LJ probably could have got more for Demarius Thomas here. Um, I don't think it would have been much more. He could probably have moved up to a couple spots, you know, maybe to the 110, somewhere in that range. But I still really... I agree with you, but I don't think he would have got the second with it, which, you know, when you're rebuilding, everyone likes to... Game extra asset like that. Yeah, it just kind of sucks that you're sitting there both at the bottom of the rounds here. Does LJ have a second round, or did he get rid of that? No, he does not. Okay, so this would be his only second round, so that helps. Um, But, I mean, I I still do love this trade, especially for his rebuild efforts. Um, I mean, when you're really rebuilding, you got to make big moves. you got to have make man moves and trade studs like an OBJ. And older guys like Demarius Thomas to bring in, you know, potential assets to your team. Um, so getting rid of DT for another first round pick, which makes him having five this year in a late second, I think that's a win for me. 
Um, yeah, I really like this trade for LJ, actually. Uh, BT, the 30-year-old wide receiver, he had a down but not terrible year. I mean, I owned him. I wasn't too thrilled with it. But uh, I like his chances to stab uh, one or two wide receivers with both those picks and fill his DT-sized hole in his lineup and maybe even add an extra depth piece. Uh, I definitely like this trade, too. I agree with both of you that BT is definitely on the downside of his career. And uh, with the trade above that LJ made um, with OBJ, he could easily draft Sutton, who is going to basically replace DT next year when they cut DT because he's making too much money. Yeah. I was hoping Sutton would have fallen to me with one of my second-round picks, but I don't think so anymore. No, I think he's going to nab him at 114 there if he's there. I think he's going to take Calvin Ridley there, actually. That's a possibility, too. That seems like an LJ move. But the best part about this whole trade is that he traded him to a team that kind of traded his way out of contention this year. So that is just real good news for guys like me, you, and Juan to where if he does have a bounce-back season, it's on a team that we're really not that worried about instead of trading him to, like, one of us where that's just adding another potential wide receiver one onto your team. Yeah, definitely. So uh, since we've been talking about two of LJ's, Rebuilding trade. How would you guys grade his rebuild so far after taking dead last and winning the bum trophy last year? So I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, I really like the Demarius Thomas trade because uh, he's getting all rid of an old asset and he's clearly in rebuilding when you trade OBJ. Um, and like I said before, you can take Demarius Thomas replacement, which is Sutton. But the reason why I gave him a B is. Even though he got some good pieces and he got A-Rob, which I think is the real wild card in that trade with OBJ, he still, I always like in a trade to get the best player. And he gave up OBJ, which is arguably the number one asset in dynasty fantasy football. So that's why I gave him. Yeah, I didn't even read that we were supposed to grade it, so I'm going to just go off the win here. Um, LJ did what he had to do. He made some trades to get his team in a position to start winning instead of staying at the bottom or middle, something like that. Took some risk. I really like wanted. I really like the DT trade for him. And he did get a haul for OBJ, but it really fucking sucks when you have to give up a player of OBJ's caliber. He was a top three startup pick. So I'm going to give him a B minus. Yeah, but in in my eyes, I guess when you're as have have as many holes as what team that LJ had, you kind of have to make a move like that to get your back, to get your team just back into into a respectable level. Which I think, not even before our draft, that his team's at a more respectable level now than it was before that trade. Um, oh no, I'm not. I totally agree with you there. I'm just saying every time you have to give up one of the best players in the league. I think that automatically downgrades you. Yeah, that's just the tough Even though he did get a nice little haul for it, I just, it's tough. Oh, yeah. The guy has that caliber, and especially to give him to your bitch ass. <laughs> no, I, I, I get that standpoint, but it's, it's, it's a tough uh, situation for just owners to be in or what you're going to do. Like, But, no, I, I get both standpoints here. But I think, all in all, that LJ had a real great burst of activity here. He's not very active like well, in the trade enough. segment two trades all of last season. Yeah, and he did two trades in one week, so a real good burst that's going to drastically speed up his rebuild efforts here. 
Um, right now, he has the most ammo in the league to make potential moves in the future with the five picks. That's including the 101. So he's going to get Saquon to add on to his roster. Um, he, he's just got a, he's going to get a bunch of high upside young players um, by getting rid of a declining at, asset in DT and a stud, which sucks to get rid of, in OBJ. But it's for the better of his team. Um, with that being said, there is a lot to do for, for his team to get to where it needs to be. He still has to have a really good draft and bring in a lot of high upside young talent to fill all those holes on his team. Because when we were going through his team, he has, I want to say, almost five players that he could cut alone. Um, with, yeah, without even thinking about it. So I think even though it's a good start, I'm going to stick around with you guys and I'm going to give him a B. So he's right around in the B range, B plus, B and B minus. Yeah, he's anywhere from a 85 to a 92, however you want to look at it. Yeah. I think we're going to look back on this trade next year and we're going to either A-Rob is going to be the wide receiver one that some people think, or A-Rob's just going to be like a high wide receiver three, low wide receiver two, and we'll be like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It literally depends on the Bears offense. Yeah. thing is he got Trubisky and uh, A-Rob there. Yeah. yeah. His, his fantasy... I mean, impact is really going to depend on Trubisky's growth, and that's not something I wanted to put money on for my wide receiver. So, I mean, it's worth the risk for him. I wanted to compete this year, and it got me a little scared, so I was happy to get out. So it's only a one-quarterback league, so even if Trubisky becomes the best quarterback in the NFL, he's really not gaining you that many points. Yeah. Especially when you have one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anyways, let's move on. Uh, BJ, that's another trade for you. Completely different league. This is, this is MF, Kyle's MFL league. Kyle's league yeah. yeah. So, uh, BJ received Randall Cobb and the Chiefs defense. And all he had to do was trade away the Steelers defense. I love it. Love it. Uh, I questioned whoever the guy was that made the He trade. really makes pretty good trades. I'll give that to him. I couldn't believe this one. Yeah. But, I mean, he thinks he forgot to add in a draft pick. Yeah, that's that's the only way. I only thing I can think of is that he forgot to throw in the draft pick that I was supposed to give him. But yeah, because I mean, uh, honestly, I think I'd almost take Casey's defense over the Steelers' defense. It's pretty close. I mean, Casey usually gets a lot of sacks, so I mean, yeah, but they also lost Tom Ali, Derek Johnson, yeah. and Marcus Peters this year. But either way, um, if I'm getting a positional player or a defense. And still getting another defense yeah. in return. And it's not like they're the Packers defense of last year or something like that where you didn't even want to pick them up. You'd rather just leave them out have no defense play because you wouldn't get negative points. Then. <laughs> but I, I think, <laughs> all in all, I think Cobb, uh, while I'm not the biggest fan of him anymore, I used to love him. Oh, he used to be a dick rider. Oh, I used to, yeah. I used to slob on his Cobb. I used to love me some Cobb. But uh, I think Cobb holds like some decent wide receiver three value. I don't think he's going to stay healthy the whole year, which kind of sucks. But um, I think some of those games where the Packers are going to – I don't think the Packers defense is going to be able to carry him still, so they're going to still need to throw. And obviously the Devontae is going to be doubled and probably Jimmy Graham, and there's going to need another wide receiver to step up, so that's either going to be Cobb or Gino. So Gino. I think he holds some decent value still. <laughs> Yeah, um, anytime you can trade a defense for a player into defense and the defense that you receive is potentially better, if not pretty equal, you're going to, I give you the win every time. 
I mean, even if you got a defense that was worse, you're still getting a player for a defense. Defenses are streamable in and out, unless you have Jacksonville's or potentially the Chargers this year. Yeah, I mean, we we all may not be the biggest fans of Cobb being Packer fans watching his lack of production, you know, over the course of the few years. But if I can bring him on a guy that's going to potentially catch passes from Aaron Rodgers just for a defense, I mean, I'm doing that all day. Especially when I have Philly's defense that I'm going to be starting. And I don't, you know, who really who really gives a shit about defenses? They're not even most in most fantasy leagues. So... I, I love this trade for me. I'm just starting. I'm this is the team that I'm really rebuilding. So I'm just trying to get guys on that will have somewhat of an impact going into the year. Because as Mitch knows, going into our draft, we had no none of those guys. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get those guys onto my team and then potentially flip them and then I'll start start getting my running backs and you know the real impact players like that. Yeah, I. Couldn't agree more, honestly. I only have one defense in my league, so... <laughs> I have three. <laughs> oh, no, I lied. I just picked one up. I picked up the Browns. Yeah, you stole them from me, you cocksucker. No. Were you going to drop the Steelers and then not get this trade? No, I probably was going to drop... Who's my other defense? Oh, and I have four defenses. Okay. It, the Cardinals. All right, anyway, let's move on. Uh, next trade, Tevin Coleman in 2019 fifth. Uh, me and BJ for the 202 and the 407. Yeah, this trade really comes down to and how you personally value Tevin Coleman. I know uh, Mitch and myself we value him as you know a first round talent because of his potential for more of more of next year when he's gonna maybe find a new home, hopefully find a new home. Um, because of that, because of his growth and value from next year, if he goes and be is and is the guy somewhere else. I think this is a really solid trade for us, just giving up the 202 and a fourth-round pick, which no one gives a fuck about. Um, this In this league, we're kind of running back needy. I know we made some moves to get younger, and that involved us getting rid of a running back, which, I mean, I guess we're happy. Yeah, I guess we're happy we got rid of him. Um, but now we're bringing in another younger running back that has proven that he can produce, even in a timeshare um, in Atlanta, and I'm really happy with it. Yeah, um, I really like this trade for us. I'm one of the biggest Tevin supporters out there. I think buying him at this value is huge, as I see him skyrocketing next offseason to McKinnon-type levels of this year, where he goes to people trading the 104, 105 for him, which I still can't believe that. That could very easily happen, too, which is, I mean, that... That potential value gain is worth the risk alone, even if he has it down here this year. Yeah, and uh, like you said, we really needed running back help in this league, and we would not have been able to get one at the 202 except for Kalen Blage, and that's a little early for me for him. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like this trade too. Um, I like it a little bit more just because I'm not a big Devonta Freeman guy. Um, I don't know if he can stay healthy for those full 15 games. And uh, you still have the wild card that a lot of people aren't taking into account that. I know Coleman's the free agent next year, but what if Freeman doesn't stay healthy this year? Do they, you know, do they move on from Freeman and decide Coleman is the guy? I don't know if that's possible with how much money they're currently paying Devontae Freeman. 
Yeah, there's got to be two years into it. There'll be that'll be his third year then into it. So, but I mean, either either way, at two two, like Mitch said, Belager. I mean, Naheem Hines, like that's still a stretch. So, I think Coleman. This is proven talent. Yeah, so I think Coleman's the way to go. There. Yeah, when you get into the second round, you definitely take the proven talent over the rookies there. Um, but like like you said, we have potentially to get a huge game this year for him because. Devontae Parker can't stay healthy. He does run hard, so he's bound to get hurt. He's bound to get a nagging injury through the course of the Devontae season. Freeman, not Devontae Parker. Did I say Parker? Yeah, I think so. Well, they're both going to get hurt this year, so just watch out for it. <laughs> hey, fuck you, Parker. <laughs> All right, uh, should we take a little save break before we move on to the depth chart studies? Oh, we're going to bring back the breaks? Uh, I think we should because of that error message you get every time we're done with this. All right. Yes, we will. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. All right, guys. Welcome back. Uh, me and Juan just uh, shotgunned a twist of tea quick. Yeah, right. We actually needed the break. Two of them. Two of them. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get on to this. Our uh, depth chart studies. Same as usual. We go in division by division, team by team, position by position, players to buy low, players with potentially great trade value, players to stay away from, and finally, team positions. This week, we have NFC South. Let's get started with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, finally a good division. Yeah, even though Buccaneers are solid fantasy-wise, at least there should be. Yeah. All right, so uh, quarterbacks, you got Janus Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the uh, Harvard kid, Ryan Griffin, and Austin Allen. For owners with the with Jameis Winston shares, how should they handle him? Will he ever become the franchise quarterback that everyone expected him to be? And how will the smart one, the Harvard graduate, Ryan Fitzpatrick, do replacing him during his three-game suspension? Yeah, Jameis Winston here is kind of tricky. Um, no one really knows if he's going to be the quote-unquote franchise uh, quarterback. But because of all of his skill sets, I guess... He's always going to be an intriguing fantasy option that I'll think will hold value um, for years to come here. Um, so with all the recent news coming down, with the questions about him being the franchise uh, quarterback coming out of Tampa, and to the most recent suspension, I just look at him as a firm hold here. He still has too much value going forward. Um, I just can't get out from under him at this point because you're not just not going to get your value. Um that back than what he's going to put out for the for the remainder of his career. Um, and plus, he's still in a good spot. Tampa keeps on adding weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You just need to really sit back, be patient. If you do want to get out from under him, wait for his value to spike moving forward. Um, now moving on to uh, the smart one, Fitz. Uh, he's proven to be a solid, productive uh, backup in the NFL. So although... You may see a little fantasy dip in production for the offensive weapons. I think the outlook for their fantasy options here is still good with Jameis out. Yeah, um, I've always been a huge fan of Mr. Crablegs, Jameis Winston, especially on the field. Uh, I'm holding and potentially even trying to buy in a league where I need a quarterback. I wouldn't even worry about him not being the franchise quarterback. He's got too much talent. And if it's not in Tampa, there's a team out there who would love to take him and have him be their guy. 
And like you said, on the fits, I think he'll fill in pretty pretty good. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have weapons around him to at least keep them fantasy relevant. At least Mike Evans and yeah, I think I think the one I think the one guy you're gonna see the biggest dip from here is uh, Deshaun Jackson, just because I don't think his style of a play really fits um, fits his arm. I think um, my biggest dip would be Cameron Brake. Jameis literally just loves the guy in the red zone. I mean, he's what six seven, so but that just means more for Mike Evans, I believe, because Fitzpatrick knows, hey, I'm gonna get it to my stud and just throw it up to him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I think James is a hold. I don't think you're going to get, like you guys said, back the value that you're looking for. Um, I think overall he definitely has the potential to be a top 10 dynasty QB eventually. Yes. He, I mean, he can run, so he can, he's going to get some, a couple rushing touchdowns. He has obviously good scrambling ability and just the thought of he has Mike Evans, um, he has two tight ends with great and OJ Howard. And then, I mean, Jackson, he's a what? He'll stretch Yeah. But I think Godwin could come up. definitely develop into a solid like, wide receiver three, you know, eventually. Um, so I think too many weapons around them to give up on James yet. And with Fitzpatrick, I mean, it's like, what, three games or something? Yeah, three yeah. games with Fitzpatrick. I think, like you said, I think. Uh, Great takes a big hit because in the red zone, and then I do think Jackson takes a hit too, just because he doesn't have the arm. James does stretch too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the running backs. The yeah. running backs, y'all. Yeah, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, Yaquiz Rogers, Charles Sims, Dalton Croissant, and Sean Wilson. So uh, this backfield kind of reeks like a running back by committee. How long will this last, and who will break out and be the lead back at the end of it? So I think uh, this is got all the fixings to be a uh, running back by committee. Um, I am not the biggest believer in Rojo. Um, I think he definitely possesses home runs ability, but I think he's also kind of like that guy that's going to he's going to need a bunch of carries like a Jai to actually become something decent in fantasy. Um, he reminds me a lot of like what CJ2K was. He'd have two-yard run after one-yard run, after three-yard run, and then eventually he'd have that 68-yard touchdown there, and it was all a fantasy value at one point. And uh, I think people are kind of underrating Peyton Barber. I actually kind of like Peyton Barber for a bio. I think right now you can get him for pretty much almost nothing. Almost nothing. And, I mean, he has chances to – Split time and can Rojo stay healthy for a full 16 games? I mean, what is Rojo out of the backfield? Yeah, I just there's a lot of questions. That's yeah, why and I think uh, so. I think this is going to be a running back by committee for the season. Um, yeah, I I see this being a running back by committee at least through the halfway point of the season. Um, I just really don't think that. Um, the guys on the team, like the full down guy, I think Rojo's going to be a nice playoff piece to a running back that they will bring on to the future. But I think at the end of it, for this running back by committee, Rojo will end up beating out all these other bums on the roster. So, Yeah, I'm going to throw it out right now. I don't think Rojo's ever going to be your true every down back. But I think he's eventually going to lock up 
two-thirds of the snaps himself. Never running back can get to that 60, 65% threshold. That's usually all they need to get into that running back one range. Granted, it's the second half of the running back one, so you're 7 through 12 range. I also think that if Rojo doesn't lock this job up by about week 6 to week 8, it'll end up being a committee for the whole season. I also think that once they see him take one long one to the house, they're going to be like, yeah, we have to keep this guy on the field just for that potential anytime he touches the ball. All right, let's get to the wide receivers now. Uh, we kind of hit them on, on a couple of them so far, but we'll, we'll keep going with it. We got uh, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin, Justin Watson, Freddie Martinez, Bernard Reedy, Bobo Wilson, Jake Lampman, Irvin Phillips, and Sergio Bailey. Yes, a lot of bombs at the bottom of that list. Yeah, some guys always like, who the fuck is it? <laughs> so uh, does Deshaun Jackson finish out his career with the Buccaneers? And uh, what lesser wide receivers would you stash to take over his role? I'm going to go out there and say uh, Jackson's not going to finish out his career in uh, Tampa. I think he gets probably cut next year when uh, Goodwin kind of steps up Godwin. or Godwin steps up and uh, becomes the wide receiver two there. Uh, I just think uh, Godwin has way too much potential and Jackson is all he is is a field stretcher. And yeah, runs he's straight. kind of a one-trick pony yeah. and he's lost a lot of once he, what he once was with the Eagles. Which yeah, he's just an electrifying playmaker. And he's definitely older, so I mean, I, and I don't see Tampa winning anything this year, so. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Uh, I think D-Jacks will end up flying somewhere else next year. There's an out in his co- contract after this season with zero dead cap, so Tampa won't feel bad. Cutting him loose, saying peace. Um, Adam Humphrey's contract is also up after this year. He signed his restricted free agent offer or whatever for $2.9 million. And I think that will open up playing time for both Chris Godwin and Justin Watson. And I think they end up both being the number two and number three wide receivers in Tampa. I think Godwin will be more of your uh, slot receiver where they have Justin Watson, who's a bigger body receiver. They'll be playing outside alongside Mike Evans. Yeah, overall, I agree with you guys. Um, This is a solid group of wide receivers here. And um, that's one of the reasons why I think Jameis is a good spot and another reason why I think Deshaun Jackson's on his way out. Um, Especially if he doesn't drastically improve his performance uh, coming up here in this next year. Um, I think Godwin is obviously the guy that has all the stash appeal here. I think even after they let go of Deshaun Jackson that um, Justin Watson will take a little time to develop. He wasn't really that high of a draft pick, so... It's not like they're gonna, they're not going to rush him long to get on the field here. Yeah, I can see that. I'm just uh, more thinking that Godwin's uh, more of a slot guy than an outside guy. But I guess we'll uh, see you by next year. Yes, we will. All right, let's move on to the tight ends. We got Cameron Brake, O.J. Howard, Alan Cross. Anthony O'Claire, Donnie Ernsberry, Austin Johnson, Tanner Hudson, and Jason Reese. How much longer will it take for OJ to be the lead dog in Tampa? Yeah, I don't think it's going to take OJ long to become the lead guy in Tampa. Um, they did just sign Bray to his big deal, but I 
believe he has an owner's his contract, and I'm almost certain it's already next year already. So look for him to really take that next that next big step in the next year or two. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think uh, Brake stays the lead dog at least for this year. I think OJ will take over maybe next year. But when Winston comes back, Winston loves Brake in the red zone. And Brake's a pretty big guy. I mean, Brake's not going to be your field stretcher, but he's still going to steal some of those touchdowns away from OJ in the red zone, which is definitely going to hurt uh, OJ's progress in becoming a tight end one there. Yeah, um, Brake did just sign that huge contract. Six years, almost $41 million. But his uh, guarantee, only $7 million. After this upcoming season, his dead cap is back to zero. I bet they cut him, potentially try to restructure him afterwards. But I see him being as more of the secondary guy, like Juan said, as your red zone guy, where OJ is anywhere on the field plus on top of that OJ is one of the better blocking tight ends in the league already and he's only played one season and they also drafted him in the first round so I think they're gonna try to use him yeah they're definitely gonna use him um I guess his his production this year is really gonna be depend is really gonna depend on what they decide to do in the future with Brait. so it's it's really wait and see mode here yeah um Anything could happen, honestly. But I'm going to put my money on OJ being the guy. So uh, that wraps up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. Quarterbacks, obvious. uh, Cam Newton finally got rid of Derek Anderson, so Garrett Gilbert is the backup. Taylor Hineke and Kyle Allen. Really hoping that uh, Cam doesn't get hurt this year, I see. Yeah, they better pray to God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> will Cam Newton have another top five fantasy scoring year? And how long, if ever, will his running style catch up to him? Yeah, for how I mean, for how long that Cam can run and move the pile at the goal line, it will really determine how much, how many years that he'll stay top five in fantasy going forward. Here, um, I'm really not a big fan of his passing ability. He does make a lot of big plays because he does have that huge arm, but he's not very accurate with it. So that kind of worries me there but you know again going back to his running ability he scores a lot of touchdowns at the one yard line just leaping over the pile moving the pile so that's where he gets all of his fantasy value from um there will come a time where his running will catch up to him but i think just because of his size alone he'll still be able to move the pile and score those easy touchdowns where i think he'll always have a good fantasy value because of that um, I agree. I think uh, I think Cam has another top five scoring year. Much as I don't like him, uh, I think you're kind of we're approaching kind of a window with Cam, though. I mean, uh, Greg Olson, one of his favorite targets, is getting older, um, and uh, I think that he's obviously getting older. He's 29, and he's probably got like two to three years left of like solid top like five ten production. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're a little bit smarter with him, like in the red zone and making him take all those hits. I know he some of his value is like sneaking from the one and the two yard line, but they did sign C.J. Anderson, and maybe they're smart enough to get him the ball at 
at the one or two yard line, and if they really need to get in, then they'll sneak cam. But I think all those unnecessary hits catch up with you. I mean, look at Carson Wentz. That's what that's how he fought the season last year. ACL injuries are kind of fluke, though, so I wouldn't even. Yeah, but I mean, the same you're putting thing. you're putting them out there for a chance when they could just hand it off to T.J. Anderson instead. I mean, granted, T.J. Anderson's not guaranteed to get it every time, but if it's second and goal from the one, they're sneaking cam. And no, they're gonna because he's six six, and all he has to do is reach arm on him. Yeah, but he, he's taking a hit. That's all. Yeah, but even even he's he's behind that big old offensive line, so he's not even taking that big of a hit when he's doing that half-ass dive over the pile and just reaching his arm out. At the most, he's getting a linebacker that's trying to jump over their defensive line, trying to hit him. So I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I'm just saying from my perspective, if I was a play caller and I didn't need to have it touchdown that down, I would end for TJ Anderson. I think they're still going to wait a couple more years before they decide on telling Cam, hey, we're going to calm down on letting you do those. Because Cam's like, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyways and call my own number. I mean, Cam, that's his style. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I believe Cam has a few more years, more than a few even, uh, years of productivity left and should hover right around that quarterback five area or at the very least top ten. Cam is just as athletic as he was when he came into the league. And at 29, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Like I said, he's big body, 6'6", 250, 260 pounds. It, the hits definitely rack up. That's why when he's not in that goal line situation, he should really learn how to fucking slide because he's a little <laughs> out of lowering the shoulder and hurting himself by doing that. Yeah, no reason for him to get two or three yards extra on a run when, I mean, he could do, all he has to do is like, you know, like Russell Wilson runs out of bounds, so he holds the ball kind of out. Yeah. And he gets like that extra yard. Yeah. He'll be running up the sideline. Yeah. Just pick out the ball. Maybe you won't get three yards. Just instead you'll get only one or maybe even two, but you're not taking that huge hit. Like Mm -hmm. Cam's going to have to learn eventually that he can't do that. Otherwise he's just, he ain't going to last. Like, I think he'll eventually learn it, but I think it's still going to be a couple of years until he really realizes it when his body starts to catch up. Yeah, him. I think, personally, I think that he'll just never realize it, and eventually he'll just die off. Yeah, kind of. yeah he'll kind of just fall off. All right, let's move on to these running backs. You got Christian McCaffrey, as uh, Juan was saying earlier, C.J. Anderson, Cameron Arvizpain, and Kenyon Barner. How much work do you guys expect C.J. Anderson to get in Carolina? And will uh, CMC run into a sophomore slump? Um, I definitely still like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I think that he does suffer a little bit of a dip of production because last year, especially at the end of the year when they traded Calvin Benjamin, they only really had bunches and um, him. <laughs> it was just bunches of Samuel, right? Yeah, he got hurt. He got hurt. So, so they really didn't have much of anything. Greg Olson was hurt. Yeah, Stewart was kind of. Eh. Yeah, it was pretty much maybe a little Dixon. That was about the only. Yeah, yeah that Dixon was, had that one. Yeah, huge that game. was like the only. So I think, while I think Christian McCaffrey still is a very he's a running back one and definitely in a PPR league. I think he he doesn't suffer only in a PPR. Yeah, he doesn't suffer a sophomore slump, but he's also not going to get quite as many opportunities. And I think C.J. Anderson uh, definitely 
fits right into that Johnson Stewart role last year. Even if you look at the stats, even though Johnson Stewart was awful last year, he still gave him the ball. So hey, they, they gave him at least 10 touches a game, usually, even if he was getting stopped on the line. So, and C.J. Anderson wasn't that bad last year. He probably a rusher. He probably took some of you guys to one of my playoffs. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, I mean, he still holds some decent guys. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you to a standpoint where C.J. Anderson will get early down work. I think his, more his more of his value is going to come for the work on short, short yardage or at the goal line when they decide not to run Cam there. Um, but I, I do think his overall work has been limited, is, is going to be limited, because the Panthers really do like Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, they spent that first-round pick on him last year. Um, and he's... Chris McCaffrey hasn't really proven anything to be taken off the field for a guy like C.J. Anderson. I could see him getting, you know, I think I think where the difference is going to be made is that they're going to put Chris McCaffrey on the field because they give him so many more options on what they can do with Chris McCaffrey on the field minus a guy like C.J. Anderson. So I don't see a dip in Chris McCaffrey's number, not a huge one. Um, I still think he'll be your running back one in PPR leagues, but I mean, I I would buy CJ Anderson for the chance of him having a solid year, but uh, other than that, he's still going to be a very risky play here. I disagree with you. Uh, I actually really like CJ Anderson this year. I think he's going to get most of the groundwork. CMC he didn't have a lot of rushing yards last year, and what he got came on two to three yards per carry. Not a lot. Uh, he might have had one long one that helped it out or something like that. But he's more valuable to the Panthers as a short pass catcher. You can go out on a swing route, the arrow route, a screen, maybe line up in the slot, get like a reverse or something like that. I don't think he's going to get a lot of between-the-tackle work, and I think that's where C.J. Anderson is going to get that work. I think he's going to get maybe even more touches than Jonathan Stewart did last year and do a lot more with it. As we saw last year, Jay Stu didn't do much at all with what he got. Definitely agree. But at the same time, I still expect CMC to put up a lot of the same numbers he did last year. I don't think he's going to fall off at all either. I think C.J. Anderson just helps this offense. Yeah, and if you actually look up the stats from last year, so Stewart had 200 attempts. And he put up oh, yeah, yards. Okay, yeah. So, and C.J. Anderson, he had 240, 245 attempts, and he had 1,000 yards. So, that's definitely, C.J. Anderson can, can definitely put up. I think C.J. Anderson is a very underrated yeah. running back. He can be a decent by-filler and a running back three, four, on the team. Definitely. Yeah. If he's your running back three, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Sure. All right, uh, we'll move on to wide receivers since we had nothing to say in rebuttal. No rebuttal to that. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not like a CJ Anderson. <laughs> I'm not a CJ Anderson hater here. I just don't know how that's what's going to work because Chris McCaffrey offers so much more for for the Panthers than CJ Anderson. So I I just two back sets they can do a split. Yeah, back. I mean, Cam running with pistol, it's not tough for them to do. I mean, yeah, they put them in the spot. Yeah, they definitely they definitely could, 
But I'm just I just I don't I don't know how it's gonna work. I would still buy him, but it had to have to be for the right price. I'm not. I'm not. I already did that a lot with Jonathan Stewart and CMC last year. They were both on the field at the same time quite a bit, actually. All right, we'll see how it works. Yep. Maybe that we'll have a little wager before the season starts on that one. All right, so let's move on to these uh, wide receivers. We got Devin Funches, Torrey Smith, DJ Moore, Jarius Wright, Curtis Samuel, Demir Bird, Mose Frazier, Austin Duke, Fred Ross, Jamal Jones, Rashid Bailey, and Bug Howard. Bug Howard. So is uh, Funches still the guy to own Carolina? How long do owners have to wait for DJ Moore to take over? And how much, if any, stock would you put into Torrey Smith? Um, I'm going to say uh, if I have punches right now, I am selling the fuck out of him. Uh, last year, he put up almost 900 yards and eight touchdowns. I definitely do not see that happening again. I think because of what we talked about before, we're going to maybe run TJ Anderson a little bit more because Jonathan Stewart was very successful running. And um, they drafted DJ Moore, obviously, and Samuel was hurt. And they traded away Calvin Benjamin last year, so they only had really punches. And Greg Olson is healthy now, so I'm going to sell punches for pretty much yeah, what you late get. first, early second, if I can get it. Um, for DJ Moore, uh, I think he is the number one wide receiver there eventually, probably towards the end of the season. He's obviously not going to take over right away, but halfway through the season, I think to begin to separate himself as the number one. And then uh, Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith's kind of a Deshaun Jackson one-trick pony. Runs straight. Uh, I think Torrey Smith is that, that probably, like, I don't play a lot of best ball league, but that, like, I'd be targeting maybe at that because yeah, he, just because he, he's going to have those, like, games where he's going to catch a touchdown and have 100 yards. He might even catch two touchdowns and 150 yards, but he ain't. He's not even going to come close to 50 yards receiving in most games. Yeah, a lot of what he did in Philly last yeah, year. Exactly, yeah. Um, right now, I'd be selling punches. Maybe not that at this exact moment, but I wouldn't wait too long into the season if you are to do it, just in case the DJ Moore takeover happens earlier than you expect. I think it's only a matter of time before he take, DJ Moore takes the number one spot on the Panthers. He's an athletic monster. But if you are to keep punches because he's all you fucking got and no one's offering you shit, maybe he's got some nice red zone appeal for you. He's about 6'4", 6'5". Big body. Cam obviously liked him. He threw him eight touchdowns last year. And uh, kind of what Juan said about Torrey Smith. He is what he is. and That's a field stretcher. He's not in his uh, Ravens days anymore. Yeah, um, I think I think Funches will start the year as the guy, but I don't think it'll be long for DJ Moore to take away enough targets to make Funches not that intriguing fantasy owned that he was last year. Um, with going towards Torrey Smith, I think Torrey Smith will have his opportunities in Carolina. He plays into Cam Cam Newton's huge arm very well. Um, it all it's all gonna come down to what he does with those opportunities because we all know that he likes to waste those opportunities and drop the ball. Um, 
But like Juan said, I think Torrey Smith, his best fantasy relevancy will be in those best ball leagues just because of those connections with Cam. Yeah, you're not going to want to have to pick if you're going to start him or not every weekend. Yeah. He doesn't put up a two-point game that week that you can start him. Because with his boomer bust potential, every time you pick him that week, it's going to be the wrong week to pick him. It's just the way it works. But he's going to win some people some draft games next year. Yeah, if someone picks him at the right fucking time, you got to end up with two catches, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, that'll happen like two times a year, though. Like, good luck. It may only happen once, but that guy's going to win drafting because he picked him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) I just got real depressed there. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the tight ends. We got uh, Greggy Olsen, Chris Manhurt. Unfortunate last name. Ian Thomas, Evan Bayless, and Jason Vanderloop. How much more does Grandpa Bragg have in the tank? And is Ian Thomas the most overlooked tight end in this year's draft class? Yeah, with, um, I mean, Greg Olson, his, his offseason was interesting. He threw up a lot of red flags when he started testing for a broadcasting position, and people thought maybe this was the year that he didn't come back. Um, but I think, honestly, with him coming back and staying, I think owners can expect another two, maybe three years, even that's pushing it out of production out of him. Um, but I think this is all good news for his backup, Ian Thomas. I think him getting to sit behind Greg Olson for the his building or the tight ends like building years into uh, the NFL before they come relevant is going to be a huge boost for him because he's not having all that pressure that may, that a Kaseki has. He can. His main focus is to sit there, learn from Greg Olson, and work on work on his craft. That's what his job for the next year, year and a half is. Um, because of that, I do think that he is overlooked in a lot of fantasy formats here. Um, I think that spending that late capital on him in your rookie draft you'll get a very nice, cheap investment in a tight end that you'll be able to start once Greg finally calls it quits. Yeah, I um, I think I'm going to disagree with the two to three years part on Olsen. I mean, if you're trying out for uh, you know, a broadcasting position, I mean, if you would have got that, that would have been it. So I'm going to say this is, this is Olsen's farewell year. Um, I think it's a, it's a great time to invest in Thomas. Uh, a lot of drafts, he's going late, late rounds if not getting drafted at all, so you can scoop him off the wire. The only thing I really don't like about Thomas is that he only had like 375 yards receiving in college and like 25 catches last year, so that's it's not a whole lot of production. I know he's coming from a shit team. A lot of colleges don't use their tight ends either. Yeah, that, that's true. That's just something that worries me a little bit on it. So I don't think personally I'd be drafting him, but I'm definitely going to target him on the waiver wire, and I think he could definitely be a overlooked tight end this year. Yeah, so I agree with you on the Olsen thing. I agree with both of you on the Ian Thomas thing. Uh, but Greg, he almost left to announce this offseason. He actually stood in when he was injured last year. Yeah, he did like a one or, game or one or two yeah. Thursday night games, I want to say. Yeah. 
something like that. So he's already at his shot. He obviously likes that. I think he knows that if he can get out of the NFL to go talk on camera and not get his head smashed in week in and week out, yeah. he's going to try to do it. And, I mean, you don't get paid. You, get, you, get you paid. still get paid good money yeah, to be in the booth, too. And, uh, like both of you, I really like Ian Thomas here. I think he could uh, really benefit by being behind old Greg for uh, this year. I'm old Greg. I'm old Greg. Yeah. I mean, tight ends usually take a year or two to develop anyway. So, and sitting behind Greg Olson has been one of the best tight ends in the NFL the past couple of years. So, I mean, it's only going to help. Yeah, definitely. All right, that wraps up our Panthers talk. Atlanta. Yep, we're going to go on to that. Atlanta shitbirds. I mean, Falcons. Dirty birds. All right, so at quarterback, they got Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, Garrett Grayson, and Kurt Benker. Do you smell a bounce back year for Matty Ice? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. I think you can expect a better year from Matt Ryan than he did, than he had in 2017. Um, now, I don't think he's going to put up the numbers like he did when they made that run to the Super Bowl. But I just don't think that a quarterback like Matt Ryan, with all the weapons that they have around him, will have another down year like he did last year. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Matty Ice will definitely have a better season than what he had last year. A little down in the dumps. New offensive coordinator. They were still learning his offense. Now in year two under Steve Sarkeesian, uh, the offense will be a little more engraved in their in the players' minds, and they'll be a uh, more what word am I looking for? Whatever, ready than they were last year, and I think it'll work out better for them. I wish this was Natty Ice right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I do agree with both you guys. Um, I think the Super Bowl year was definitely an outlier year. It was kind of like a the Flacco went on his little tearing of the league. Yeah. Be elite Joe yeah. Flacco. And, I mean, we all know what Joe Flacco is now. So, But I think Matty Ice will have a nice bounce track here with his second year under an offense. And uh, I actually think uh, Matt Ryan's like, year depends on how healthy the running backs can uh, stay healthy. I think last year, Devonta Freeman really – can hurt, kind of hurt them a little bit, and they relied on the passing game. Yeah. Um, they tried. They didn't try to use Tevin Coleman as much as they would if it were Devontae and Tevin on the field, and I think that kind of hindered the offense in the games that Freeman was hurt. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like uh, the Chicken's offense. Russell and Russell. Russell and Love. When they had Lynch healthy, I mean... Some of those days he was... Yeah, and then now without a running Yeah, back. now, I mean, they throw all the time, but it's just... They're not the same. Okay, you got anything to add to that, BJ, before we move on to the running backs? No. All right, so running backs. You've heard us talk about them a little bit so far this episode. Uh, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Ito Smith, Justin Crawford, Malik Williams, and Terrence McGee. Do the... Two rookies spell the end of the line for Kevin Coleman after 2018. Is there any chance he stays? And who picks up his black in his absence? I'm going to say uh, those rookies spell the end of Coleman, definitely. Uh, I think Coleman definitely has a chance to be the main guy somewhere else. Um, 
I'm still kind of in the boat of can Freeman stay healthy this year, though. So I don't really know how much they owe Freeman next year. But it would be very interesting to see what happens if Freeman were to get hurt this year at the beginning of the year and not play hardly any of the year. And maybe, well, it all depends on what Ido would do. But if Ido came in and he wasn't the back they thought he was and Coleman was a beast, what do they do with Coleman? Do they actually keep him? I mean, I think this year Coleman still has definitely running back two appeal, and next year if he goes somewhere else, he has running back one appeal. I just don't think it's possible for a team to pay up for two running backs. Yeah, well, not they're going to have budget for they're that. Have, they're going to have to pay Julio, so they're definitely going to be. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in Tevin Coleman's absence, I already hit on that a little bit. I think Ito kind of just slides. Right into that role. At least the pass catching yeah. portion, yes. Um, honestly, I don't really think who it mattered who the Falcons brought in. Seven has proved he can carry the load when Freeman was out. And where did I go? Oh, never mind. <laughs> and as great as a spellback. Too many good to see. Yeah, no, not even. Uh, he's due for a McKinnon-like offseason. Like I've already said, uh, he's going to leave somewhere and his value is going to shoot through the roof because he's going to be expected as uh, number one running back. But I actually like Kevin's skill set more than I like McKinnon. McKinnon's whole career has been yeah, he's on and off injured. Back, yeah. Where Kevin's proved he can do a little bit of everything. He's a goal line back. He scored three touchdowns in one game, for Christ's sake, from a two-yard line. In yeah, game. even if you don't like Kevin Coleman, if you buy him towards the end of this year, You'll be able to just flip them for more than you bought them for at the start of next year. So. Yeah, and uh, as for who picks up his Kevin Black when he leaves, I got my money on Eo Smith. He's going to take a Kevinish, that's a nice word, Kevinish type role when he leaves. Uh, he's a lot smaller than what Kevin is, obviously, but I think he still fulfills that pass catching role. Maybe not as much goal line work. Maybe they bring in another guy for goal line. Who knows? Yeah, um, I agree with you guys. I do, I don't think that the rookies bringing in the rookies spells the end of the line for Tevin Coleman. I think he was going to leave no matter what. Um, like you said, they got to pay Julio. There's not enough money to pay two running backs, um, especially when you're trying to have the defense that they're trying to have with all the you know upcoming stars that they have on, over there. Um, Tevin is obviously going to take that um, spike in value come next season when he leaves. And I think getting Edo Smith in the later rounds of this rookie draft will be a steal because, like Mayor said, he's going to slide right in into that Tevin Coleman role. Yeah, and people discount how much Devonta Freeman is hurt. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably going to be the starter for four out of 16 games in the year. Yeah, anywhere from two to four, probably. Yeah. Devontae's concussion history is not great. And he's a little guy. He's like, what, five, five, eight, nine, five, eight, two, ten, I want to say, something like that. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. we got Julio Jones, um, it's new, Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy, Marvin Hall, Russell Gage, Reggie Davis, Dantez Bird, Christian Blake, Devin Gray, Lamar Jordan, Taj Williams. Holy fuck, 12 of them? <laughs> Blow it up on him. Necessary. So, uh, will Julio's recent contract problems affect his play in 2018? And how impactful will Kelvin Ridley be in 2018? 
Yeah, Julio is on a quest to get paid like the elite wide receiver that he is. Um, some of these guys that are getting paid more than him, it's just a joke. Um, but I saw so for that reason, I don't think that this contract, the contract problems that he is currently having, is going to affect his play in 2018 in a negative way. Um, I think he's going to exceed expectations. He's going to come out motivated, pr- trying to prove that he is worth that money, even at his age, and uh, actually uh, force the Falcons into paying him the money that he deserves. Um, when it comes to the Ridley, I don't really think much of him for this year. I think he'll still be the third option all year behind the trusted Julio and Sanu targets. Um, but he's still going to have a good fantasy production just because they don't have a lot of wide receivers behind him there. Um, also, Sanu, okay, I saw the stat on Twitter today. I thought it was hilarious. Sanu threw Julio one-third of his touchdowns last year. Did you know that? So one out of the three touchdowns? One out of every three touchdowns Julio scored. Oh, really? <laughs> Sanu, Sanu threw to him. Yeah, he's and a better quarterback than Matt. Six, six last year, so Sanu threw him too. <laughs> so Maddie needs to fucking get him the ball in the red zone. Yeah, that's um, I honestly think Julio is one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. Every year he's putting up over fourteen hundred yards receiving. Like I just said, Maddie Ice just doesn't throw him the fucking ball when they're in the red zone, or if he does, he gets tackled at the one yard line a lot, like uh. Calvin Johnson did that one year. Um, I expect more of the same for Julio, hoping for more consistency instead of having those two 50-plus point games and the rest being subpar wide receiver three games. Uh, but I'm buying Julio this year if I need a wide receiver and I'm a contender. See what uh what the guy wants for him. A lot of people just have the name Julio written in their mind. He's a superstar wide receiver, and they want more than what he's actually worth. But as to the Calvin Ridley question, I think Sanu and Ridley both have pretty similar seasons and don't come anywhere near the production that Julio puts up. And uh, I'm going to go on the opposite end with the Julio situation. I am going to sell Julio everywhere I have it. Uh, I just... I really hate to have those guys that Julio puts up big numbers at the end of the year, but I hate the inconsistency he has. He's going to win you probably three to four weeks every year because he's going to have those just ginormous games. But then the rest of the year, he's going to kind of shat the bed and put up four or five points, you know, things like that. Um, And I think this contract situation really hurts him. I am definitely not a fan. If he's going to, Hold out. I don't if, think he ends up holding out. If he if he holds out the preseason and he he doesn't play until the first game or even after the first game, I mean if you look at the history on that, tons of people get hurt and yeah they're not in football shape. Julio always struggles with like turf toe injuries and all the other stuff. So personally, I am selling and staying away from Julio. And uh, how impactful do I think Kelvin will be? Um, really don't see him being that big of a guy. I mean. I think maybe at best he catches, like his best, best would be like 500 yards maybe, and maybe a couple touchdowns. Like, I know people are like all over Calvin Ridley because they think, oh, it's another Alabama wide receiver and he's going to Atlanta, but it's not even close to 
I mean, Calvin really did not have the effect that Julio had at Alabama. Or even Amari. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Calvin's kind of an overrated player. So, personally, I wouldn't be taking him until the second round. And a lot of people are taking it until the first. So, I probably won't have any cheers of Calvin this year. Yeah. Uh, can I just say this? Can we just hope that Falcons don't re-sign Julio and he ends up a Packer? Could oh, you yeah. imagine what Aaron Rodgers would do with a player like Julio? I mean, yeah, you would give him the ball more than the guy would have twenty five hundred receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just what. Beast Sarkeesian just needs to feed Julio. As he needs to feed the beast, and last year he did not feed the beast. Got anything to say about that, DJ? Julio is a Packer. Yeah, Julio to the Packers, twenty nineteen, right? <laughs> I, I will put him on every single one of my fantasy teams. No matter what the price. Yeah, don't give up a lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. All right, so let's get on to these uh, tight ends. We got Austin Hooper, Eric Sauerpuss, oh, Saubert, Logan Paulson, Alex Gray, Troy Mangin, and Jaden Graham. You guys think Austin Hooper will ever live up to his fantasy potential? Uh and what are you doing with him if you currently have him? Can you cut him yet? Uh, Cooper is definitely uh, not going to ever live up to his fantasy potential. Just not a very big fan of him. He's pretty slow. I think he's white, so that's why I don't really like him. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just don't think he's that athletic, to be honest. I don't think he's... He's nothing special. I mean, I feel like he's a borderline tight end, too, if you're lucky. Um, if I can move him for pretty much any pick, I'm moving him. Otherwise, I'm cutting bait and I'm going for a higher upside guy, like what we just mentioned before, like Ian Thomas. That might be on the waiver wire because you never know what he could be. And he's also black, so you never know. He could be athletic. There's, ac- there's actually a lot of tight ends that are out there that aren't getting drafted in a lot of these dynasty leagues, like uh, Jordan Atkins type. He's 26, uh, that's why, though. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, but he's <laughs> so going to be the starting tight end with the Texans. Yeah, but if, right, if you... save that for our Texans. Though. Yeah, well, okay. Anyways, uh, this tight end group is pretty meh. I really liked Hooper going into last year. I thought his rookie year, this is his third year, correct? Yeah, I think it's his third year. Uh, so his rookie year, he actually looked like he was showing some promise, and then last year, I think he had one big play, and the rest of that, it kind of sucked. He had like an 80-yard catch for a touchdown where he was just running free down the middle of the field and still almost got tackled. Yeah. And they added Ridley, too, so like they're going to focus on Ridley more than they are Hooper even more, so he's going to get even less targets, I would assume. Yeah, I, I knew last year really, really disappointed, I think. So I just don't know if it's going to click for Hooper. If it doesn't this year, this is year three, I think he's a lost hope. But I would hold him throughout this year, unless you're getting a good offer for him. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mitch. Um, Hooper is being pretty close to being cut-worthy here in my books. But I want to give him that one more year, give him the full three years, and see what he does this year. Um, if he even shows a little bit of flash this year, I'm going to try to sell him. But I'm not selling him now because I'm not. You know, no one's giving up anything for him. So 
Um, if you do have the opportunity, like Juan said, to go up and get a high upside play like Ian Thomas or um, a tight end like that, go do it and get yourself ready for the future because this is this may be a lost cause with Hooper. Alrighty, let's go on to the New Orleans Saints. Lots to talk about here. Who that? Who that? We're going to start with the quarterback. We got uh, Drew Brees. They recently signed Tom Savage. The ex-Packer Taysom Hill. And the Ohio State Buckeye JT Berry. Uh, how much longer can New Orleans rely on Drew Brees? And who in the hell is going to replace him? Yes. Um, the Saints just don't seem too worried about obtaining you know, the potential Breeze replacement here. Um, he's already, what, he's 38 years old now? 39, I think. 39. So I, th- I, they have to expect him to play another two years into his 40s, which I think is outrageous. Um, but Tom Brady's doing it. Yeah, well, Tom Brady's like once in a lifetime there. Um, yeah. Fuck Tom Brady, by the way. Yeah, I'll Tom Brady. <laughs> um, I, I think at this rate, though, their best bet to replace Drew Brees, I think they're going to end up signing a free agent when that time comes because their time to draft and develop a guy behind them is pretty close to over. Yeah, and they don't have a first next year. Yeah, thanks. No. Thank you from the back Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to say, yeah, Drew Brees has got – he signed that two-year contract. Um. He's got two years right here. Um, they already kind of changed the offense a little bit, more going run heavy with uh, Ingram and Kamara. I think that definitely helped them. Um, I think uh, they're, they don't have anybody to replace them on the roster. I know they think Jason Hill is about Tom Savage. And savage. <laughs> he's, a, he's a savage. That's exactly what he is. Every time he, he throws a completion, he just goes, I'm a savage. Yeah, so if Drew Brees ever does get hurt, they're fucked. But um, I think they're going to have to go out and try and draft somebody and since they mortgage their future this year and lost their first-round pick, they're going to be hurting next year. So they're going to be drafting, like, one of those guys like uh, Kyle Loretta or something like that. Second-year guys, yeah. You, they'll, be dra- they'll be picking from the guys that need to sit longer than the time that they have. Yeah, exactly. Like they, That's why I won't Yeah. Those guys that are going to be picking from need three years behind Drew Brees, where they're probably going to get one. I mean, so. Uh-huh. Unless they go after, like, uh, maybe, maybe like a free agent. Yeah, like like maybe Sam Bradford. Maybe he just a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I think their best bet is to sign a free agent, though. I, I just don't I don't just don't see the drafting and developing um, paying off for them at this point because they're not going to get the time behind your beers that they need. No, yeah, and they're not going to be picking high in the draft because they still have that two decent running backs. They got Michael Thomas, and they have, they're going to have Breeze, so they're going to be decent every year. Yeah, um, what you guys both hit on, you just signed a two-year deal worth 50 mil. Uh, he's going to play that out, and I don't think Saints really give a fuck about anything other than winning right now. They're going to deal with their future quarterback when it comes to that time and Breed says he retires. And that's why I agree with BJ. They're going to try to sign whatever free agent is out there at the time, seeing as Breed's already taking up 25 mil a season. They're going to have an extra 25 mil to fuck with. There you go. Well said, Mitchell. 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll move on to the running back. You got Mark Ingram, Elvin Kamara, Trey Edmonds, Terrence West, Boston Scott, Jonathan Williams, and Daniel Lasco. Who's going to step up in the absence of Mark Ingram? And uh, how many touches can Alvin Kamara expect during this time? Is this the end of the line for Ingram with New Orleans? So I'm going to say uh, Boston Scott is going to step up in um, the loss of Ingram for the suspension. I think uh, Kamara can expect a little bit of uptick the usage, maybe a couple more receptions and a couple more touches you know, on the ground, but I don't think they're going to completely overload him because he's not the biggest guy. I know he's shown somewhat that he can take it, but if they're smart, they're not going to rely completely on Kamara because he's, he just he doesn't have the body type for a full three-down back. And uh, I think this is the end of the line of Ingram, though. I think, uh, well, I think they took what, Scott pretty late. And I want to say it was like fifth, sixth, sixth, yeah. So, I mean, maybe they reinvest next year in a little bit higher of a pick running back. But um, Ingram's also already had a contract, so he's a little bit older. Um, I think Sean Payton really showed that he doesn't like Ingram that much. I mean, he also he, just wants as many bodies yeah. in his backfield as possible. If he's got five guys, he's going to use five. Yeah, I mean, they just drafted Kamara, what, like the second round, third round last mm-hmm. year? And then they went out and signed AP. And they signed that Trey Edmonds guy. Yeah. They drafted him last year, I want to say. He was a fifth, sixth round guy as well. So, while I think uh, Kamara's in line for a little bit more work, I wouldn't get overexcited that he's going to be the full three-down back. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I don't see the Saints wanting to use him as an every-down back. They want to keep him fresh so when he comes on the field, he can do exactly what he did last year and be the untouchable player that he was. That being said, I'm not positive who it is, or if it will even be just one guy who takes Ingram's role. Uh, but I'm going to go after either Trey Edmonds or, as uh, Juan said, Boston Scott. Hope one of them can take a role and potentially end up as Ingram's replacement after this season when his contract's up or to be cut, something like that. He's contract up. Yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, yeah, I think this is the end of the line, at least in New Orleans for Ingram. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, well, I, I agree with Mitch to a point where I don't know who's going to take the role of Mark Ingram in that in that time frame where he's suspended. Um, I know Kamara isn't going to be able to do it. He's not that every down back that teams covet, but he's a very he's a great you know spell back or secondary back you could call him in air quotes. Um, but I'm not going out. I'm not searching, trying to find the guy that takes the role of uh, Mark Ingram mm-hmm. in further three game suspension that he has, um, four game suspension that he has. So if if I don't have Alvin Kamara, I think I'm just gonna stay away from this backfield. Um, and like you hit on Mitch, I think this is the end of the line for Ingram and Nola. But I don't think it's the end of the line for him. Fantasy production-wise, I think he still has a couple years of good fantasy production ahead of him. It's just going to be with another team. I think he's going to have a pretty similar value as Carlos Hyde did before the Browns drafted uh, Chubb. So when he first went to the Browns, obviously his value dropped that tick. 
Mm -hmm. But I still think he had decent value. But then they drafted Chubb and it really dropped his. So I think it'll be a pretty similar situation wherever Ingram goes next year. His value is obviously going to drop. He's going to be more affordable, but I think he's still going to put up some solid numbers for you. Oh, show. And uh, I also wanted to hit on you said that you wouldn't want to take one of those guys, Trey Edmonds or Boston Scott or even Terrence West. No, I wouldn't. I'm saying, I'm saying why not? Because you know Ingram is going to leave, and the Saints don't use one running back. Why not try to grab one of them and hope that he hits? And then you got a guy for next year when Ingram leaves. Because the chances are good that the guy for next year is not even on the roster. This could be true. <laughs> that's why I All said right. I would stay away. All right, that's why I asked you. I wanted to see your reasoning for it. Because yeah. right, you look, I just want to say this because you look like a guy. I mean, this is going to be a bad example. The running backs that are available next year where they could potentially get rid of Mark Ingram, like Tevin Coleman's out there and everything like that. Again, that was a bad example because. They're kind of like the same same style of player with Kamara there. Um, but I think it's going to be easier for him to add on a running back via free agency than try to hope and pray with these late-round running backs that they have behind him. That's just my take on it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Every year you see one of those fourth, fifth-round guys that end up getting themselves a job in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone hits on one of those guys, that's great for them, but I just don't I don't feel comfortable taking that chance. All right, that's it for the running backs. Then we'll move on to the wide receivers. We got uh, my main guy, Michael Thomas, uh, Ted Ginn, Cam Meredith, Brandon Coleman, Traquan Smith, Tommy Lee Lewis, Austin Carr, Draven Durrell, Josh Huff, Keith Kirkwood, Eldridge, Massington, and Josh Smith. you guys think that Michael Thomas is still going to be a wide receiver one when Drew Brees retires? Um, what role will Cam Meredith have this year? And do you think Trey Kwan can beat up the likes of Brandon Coleman, Ted Ginn, and maybe Meredith? Uh, I'm going to say that Michael Thomas is still going to be a wide receiver one when Drew Brees retires because I believe that they're going to go out and sign a free agent when Drew retires. So they're not going to start from scratch with a rookie QB. So Thomas is, well, he might take a little dip in wide receiver. You know, he might not be top five or top ten. He might be a top 15, something like that. But um, I still believe that they're going to hire a capable quarterback to after Drew Um Cam Meredith's role. I actually really like Cam Meredith this year. Uh, I see him as the wide receiver two there. I think that he put up some decent numbers with the Bears. He showed some skill, um, and obviously he's got a way better quarterback than Brees throwing the ball now. Uh, Traycon Smith, I believe he instantly beat out Brandon Coleman and pegged in for that uh, wide receiver three. I don't think he clips Meredith. I think that comes maybe the year after. Okay. Um, I completely agree with you on the Michael Thomas take. He's proven through the last two years he's a big-time wide receiver in this league. And it's not going to matter who his quarterback is. He lines up all over the field, and the quarterback's going to get him the ball, whether he's outside in the slot, playing tight end. Who gives a fuck? He's going to get the ball, and he's going to catch 100 of them, probably get about 1,200 yards and average about eight touchdowns a year for his whole his career, I think. Um, 
As for Cam Meredith, I think he's the slot receiver this year. Depending on how the Saints' offense is, he could definitely carve himself out in a nice little role. We'll have to see how he is coming back. He had that nasty, nasty injury last year. I don't think it's going to be a problem, but you never know. All people will recover different. And Traquan, um, I do think he's going to beat out Ginn and Coleman, not Meredith. But uh, Ginn is a one-trick pony. Brandon, he is very good at that one trick. He's done it everywhere he's been. And Brandon Coleman, he's just been average this whole career so far. Um, I could see if Ginn catches a couple of those long ones, maybe they keep him in there just as that field stretcher. And we won't see Traquan take over that role until next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest fears for fantasy owners, and especially in Dynasty, is wondering if the QB is making the wide receiver or if the wide receiver is actually that good. Because as Packer fans, we've seen it all the time with Brett Favre like making uh, Bill Schrader, making Antonio Freeman, and even now with Aaron Rodgers. Hey, don't rip on Antonio Freeman. Uh, it just happened. Um, even now with Aaron Rodgers, we've seen guys like Greg uh, Jennings leave and wow, wow, wow. done absolutely nothing. So, I'm, I mean, fortunately, I – don't think this is the case with Demarius Thomas. I think he's proven that he's a good enough wide receiver to have sustained, you know, fantasy value after Drew Brees retires here. Um, obviously, he's going to see a little little dip in production just because of the poor quarterback play, but that's about it. Um, when it goes to uh, Cam Meredith, I really like him. Um, I think by the end of the season here, you're going to see Traquan and Michael Thomas playing on the outside, and Cam Meredith playing in the bigger slot type wide receiver role, um, which I think will really benefit their passing game in New Orleans. Yeah, um, I think we all kind of agree, right? Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah, Trey. Um, Zach's favorite group, the man's tight end. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Croc. Probably not. He doesn't really give a fuck about him. So, uh, yeah, we'll get on to the tight ends. We got uh, old-ass Benjamin Watson, Josh Hill, Michael Humanawani, Gary Griffin, Dion Yider, and Dan Arnold. And, yes, BJ, I practiced Michael Humanawani. I was, I was going to say. I can't believe that. Now I fucked it up. I had it right the first time. I was practicing. I was going to say, how many times did you have to try that to get it right? <laughs> Um, so do you guys think the Saints will finally have a producing tight end again this year? I mean, Benjamin Watson was productive in uh, New Orleans before. Um, I think he'll still have his games this year where he puts up good production, but I don't think it'll be enough to be rosterable, so I'm staying away from this group once again. Yeah, I really like what you said there. Uh, the Aints, they like going to the tight end, and he will have some big games. He's also going to have his duds. You're not going to know which week is which, and you're going to struggle to pick when to start them or not. Yeah, I'm going to go with Watson is, again, maybe a little tight end, too. He's going to have his games, but he's also going to have his games where he just throws up a gut. Um, he's got to be old as shit. So <laughs> I, he's probably borderline 50, huh? He, it has to be. Up, uh, from 2006 to 2015, sorry. 
Yeah, when he was with New Orleans. That is huge. Yeah, he must have hurt. Yep. He did throw up almost 75 catches, 800-some yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, he was old then. With the tight ends nowadays, that would be tight end one probably. Yeah, that's probably about tight, tight end one. ten. But I don't think he comes close to that, especially because they drafted well, Trayvon, and they have – that was what that went with Michael Thomas. No, they didn't oh, have Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, and they got the Meredith uh, the Bears, so he's not going to get that much hurt. Yeah. Hey, though, I think we all kind of agree on that one, too. Yep. Long for uh, you disagreeing on most of what we usually say, it was pretty in line. It was, it. It was close, yeah. This was an easier division to talk about, too. There's a lot of... You should have been here for the shit divisions that we did in the past weeks. That was awful. Yeah. yeah. And now we have, what, the AFC South next week? Yes, we'll keep it consistent. That's not terrible. Not terrible. Still not great. Not terrible. Terrible. <laughs> How about that? All right. Um, that wraps up our NFC South. You guys got anything? Any closing statements? No, I don't. All right. Uh. You know where to find us at on Twitter. Juan doesn't have one. We're going to make him make one if he decides to join full-time. Uh, mine, at NSFW underscore DFF Mitch. BJ's at NSFW underscore DFF BJ. Our main account, at NSFW underscore DFF. By the way, is he even, like, log on Twitter in a month? Uh, I, I, I was just not throw Keith's Twitter out there. I haven't seen him. <laughs> He may, he may he may have died on his honeymoon. I need to check in. That's our social media guy, and we don't even know if he's alive. <laughs> all right. Uh, you can find us uh, all over the place. Basically, anywhere you listen to podcasts. There uh, NSF, NSFW, Dynasty, Fantasy Football. Obviously, you're listening to us on one of them right now, so just stick with that one. There you go. Where's the wisdom from Mitch Prestine there? Always wise. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Later. Later. Kind of the sign out, we lead the division again. At the top of the round, 17 and Jody with the hands. AI 12 with the divas, you know that we winning again.